You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to episode number four of the Life After Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player interviewing other former players and coaches about their life after hockey journeys and highlighting some of the things that they are creating, supporting and doing. And this podcast would not be possible without the help and support of the Hockey Podcast Network, a network of individual podcasts that cover every single NHL market. Find them online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. And before we get to this week's interview, I want to take a moment and thank last week's guest, Brent Sopel. Brent has launched the Brent Sopel Foundation, an organization committed to broadening dyslexia awareness and providing financial and educational support to those that struggle with dyslexia. For more information, please visit brentsopelfoundation.org and check out his documentary, Here to Change the World. And that brings us to this week's guest a man with a very impressive hockey resume as a player in the NHL, as a coach in the NHL, and as a father of two sons that have gone on to play in the NHL. We talk about his humble upbringing on the Garden River First Nation Reserve in Northern Ontario. And we also talk about what he feels First Nations communities need and talk a little bit about racism in hockey. He also shares why he feels he was successful as a player and why he feels he was successful as a coach and what success is to him now in his life after hockey. We also talk about the program that he has developed with his two sons, the three Nolans, created specifically to work with First Nation youth and to develop hockey skills, but more importantly, teaching the importance of living a healthy lifestyle how to become positive role models, and how to become future leaders in their communities. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Ted Nolan. Enjoy. All right, here we go. My guest today, he grew up in Garden River, First Nation in Northern Ontario near Sault Ste. Marie. Played his junior hockey with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Was drafted in 1978 NHL entry draft by the Detroit Red Wings. Played 60 games with the Red Wings. Won a Calder Cup championship with the Adirondack Red Wings before getting traded to Pittsburgh. He played a total of 78 games before having a career cut short by a serious back injury at the age of 26. In 1988, he transitioned to coaching and he became the head, ho- the head coach of the Greyhounds. During his time with the Greyhounds, he led the team to three consecutive Memorial Cup tournaments, 
winning the championship in 1993. 1991, he won the OHL Coach of the Year Award. He was then hired as an assistant coach by the Hartford Whalers in the NHL. After one season with the Whalers, he went on to coach the Buffalo Sabres and later on the New York Islanders. During the 96-97 season with the Buffalo Sabres, he led the team to the Northeast Division title and won the NHL's Top Coach Award, Jack Adams Trophy. After a little bit of drama in Buffalo, he stepped away from the NHL and later ended up with Moncton of the QMJHL and took that team to the Memorial Cup final. In 2006-07, he returned to the NHL as a head coach of the Islanders. He led that team to the first playoff berth since 03 04 In 2011, he became the head coach of Latvia's men's national ice hockey team. And after qualifying for the 2014 Winter Olympics at the Sochi Games, Latvia advanced to the quarterfinals and lost a close game to Team Canada and almost broke the hearts of all Canadians and who went on to defend their gold medal. In 2013, he returned to the NHL as a head coach of the Buffalo Sabres for two more seasons. He also coached in Poland with their men's national team. And away from the rink, in 2004, he established the Ted Nolan Foundation as a way to give back to First Nation youth and to First Nation women across Canada. And in 2013, along with his two sons, Brandon and Jordan, they co-created the Three Nolan First Nation Hockey School as a way to inspire and help change the lives of First Nation youth across Canada. And their program develops the hockey skills and knowledge while teaching the importance of being positive role models and leaders within their communities. His sons, Brandon Nolan, a Vancouver Canucks draft pick, went on to play for the Carolina Hurricanes. And Jordan was a draft pick and two-time Stanley Cup winner of the LA Kings. That's a big introduction, and I felt like it was very important to touch on all the aspects of this guest's life. I'm honored to have Mr. Ted Nolan. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much uh, for, for inviting me, Brad. Yeah, I, I'm, I am honored to have you. And, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons, there's, there's a lot of um, things we could really talk about as far as hockey goes. And, and as we were talking about before, the, the First Nations and Indigenous uh, support and, 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 and upbringing and, and how that's involved in the game. And I, I want to start um, just hearing how hockey was kind of introduced to you in your life. I, I read that you are part of, you're one of 12 uh, uh, children. And, and please tell me about your, your, your growing up and, and, and how hockey was, became a part of your life. Well, you, you know, it, it was, uh, it, when I tell the story, it seems like I was born in 19, 1840 versus uh, 1958 uh, because of the uh, lack of um, uh, material things that we, we didn't have. We, we, had, we had an outdoor toilet. We didn't have indoor plumbing, and, and the house wasn't uh, very uh, insulated very well. And, and when the winters blew in northern Ontario, it, was, it became pretty cold. And uh, when a wood stove went out, it was, it was cold in the house. And a lot of times I went to... I uh, went to school hungry and because uh, uh, we didn't have too much to eat. And, and when I start, start off the story saying that, Jesus must have a miserable 
childhood, but it, but really I didn't. I I I've, I would change it all back for a million dollars, easy, uh, because it was so. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of kids in the house. We had I'm one of uh, one of twelve. I got uh, last time we counted something like 150 nephews and nieces. So it was a big big family, and we had a lot of fun. And and the game of hockey introduced to me because everybody in our community played. My brother, my oldest brother, Rick, was a pretty good player. He coached the men's uh, team on the community, and I went and watched him in the city, and um, and I just fell in love with the game. But the the real story began when I when I made my outdoor my outdoor rink in my backyard, and I tell the story. And it's almost like a metaphor. It's uh, I used one little bucket of water, a little little pail with this big. It wasn't even that big, and I'd pump that pail, walk around the corner of my house, spill it down, and. And, uh, and that's why I made my rink in the backyard, and that's how I learned how to skate. My first pair of skates were, I think, size 8. My feet were size 3, and I, I just learned how to skate and almost skis versus skates. But that's how it all started, and uh, like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> that's an interesting story. I actually read on uh, Wikipedia that you would build fires around the well to keep the well from, from freezing. Is that true? Yeah, because it, was it wasn't really a well. It was a kind of a steel pipe coming out of the ground. You know, one of those old-time uh, kids who are listening to the podcast, check what a pump used to be. And anyways, uh, it would all freeze. So anyways, when you, uh, before you start pumping water out, you have to make a fire to make sure the, 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 you melted the ice so the water can come out uh, freely. So uh, not only pumping it, the pail of water, but also creating a little fire to... Uh, to get the fire going in, or the water going in the first place. So it was a, it was a, now I think back on it. I mean, you, you make a rink probably 30 feet by 20 feet. It wasn't a huge rink, but it was a good size rink. But you make that rink with one pail of water at a time. It, it must have took me a long, long time. And uh, But we built, I built it. And then when I, when I built it, there was a lot of kids skating on it. There wasn't too many helping me build it, but there's a lot of, a lot of skating. <laughs> Uh, that uh, that doesn't surprise me, and, and, and from a from a perspective of your your history and what you've accomplished, and and what um, you know the the grit and resiliency of of even building a rink is kind of foreshadowing from you know for for you know a lot of the accolades that I feel like you've had throughout your career. Um, you know, just you know, before we move on from your your childhood, I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of native uh, indigenous communities in Canada that that are you know underfunded and and have their own challenges from from like you know uh, a perspective of of creating conversation. What do you feel those communities would need? Because you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, I I feel like hockey can be. Um, it's a beautiful game and it also can be a little bit of, of, of an escape from, from, from everyday life. And it's, and it's fun and, and it's a, a great sport to learn. You can, you can learn a lot of, you know, characteristics and, and, and values from it. Um, and, you know, from your opinion, what, how, what are some of the things you, you think some, some indigenous communities um, could benefit from? Oh, man, I, I, I think there's a, there's a long list, but I think, uh, sure. One of the you know facilities. I mean, uh, with myself, uh, and I'm not the only one who skated outdoor rink, and, and kids to the to this day, um, they, they don't have a chance to play in, in uh, regular leagues, uh, like even house league, uh, for example. And a lot of kids that haven't got the proper equipment. Uh, a lot of kids haven't got the proper uh, 
um, instruction. There's no, there's no coaching. There's there's a lot of ability. There's a lot of talent. But uh, and to to me, one of the biggest things is um, feeling welcome, welcomed. Mm. Uh, you know, when when you look a little different, when you walk into a, an arena and all the kids are uh, grew up in the same neighborhood, and you look a little bit different from from them. Uh, so sometimes kids can be a little mean on, on each other or with each other and name calling and, and it doesn't make you feel very good and uh, and a lot of our kids kids go through that uh, of not feeling welcomed and I think uh, there's got to be a heck of a lot more awareness to to make this game more welcoming to everyone it doesn't matter where you've come from it doesn't matter uh, how much money you have uh, it's it's a game that should be enjoyed by everybody but Everyone doesn't um, have those same feelings, and and the the ones who get really hurt from it are, are the young kids. And and I was one of those. Uh, I was one of those kids. Uh, I mean, when I was uh, 16 years old, uh, somebody saw me play. I don't know how how my life began in hockey, but um, I played um, recreation hockey my whole life. I didn't play AAA hockey. They they said I wasn't good enough or or or, or what have you. Um, so I just played recreational hockey and, and someone must have saw me play and they asked me to try out for the Sioux Greyhounds. And I was 16 years old, you know, coming from host league hockey, going into major A hockey, it's a big step. And, and I went there, I didn't make the team, uh, but they asked me to go to uh, Kenora, Ontario, which is uh, part of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League at the time. And, and right from there that my whole demeanor and my whole purpose kind of switched from from loving the game to trying to survive in the game. And mm. I never fought in hockey in my life, but uh, I had to fight to survive there. So, but uh, my brothers came to town, trying to bring me home and, and I wouldn't go. And uh, I guess maybe I get some stubborn bone in my, in my, in my blood, but I, I wouldn't go. And I said, they're, they're not gonna chase me home. If, if I'm gonna go home, it's gonna be because I'm not good enough. And so I, I stuck it out. It was miserable. Uh, I didn't have too much uh, fun, and I don't remember too much of the year. But um, I stuck it out, and fortunately, I, I, uh, I must have played well enough. I, I think I won Rookie of the Year on the team. Uh, next year, I came back, and I made the Sioux Greyhounds of the Ontario Hockey League, which was I would never have done if I, if I left too early. Hmm. Again, grit and resiliency. That comes up for me. I... I uh... You know, and even some of the points you talked about for with with, uh, with what the communities need, it feels like you know that's what even the three Nolans program is, is providing, and and definitely want to get to that um, and and mention that at the end. Um, and and you mentioned just playing house league hockey, and and you know. It, it's it's great that somebody recognized. You know, I don't know who's telling you you're not good enough. You went on to like you said, win, win that rookie of the year that, that year and, and then being drafted to the NHL. And, you know, th what, you, what you're talking about of, of feeling welcomed, I think that um, is something that we can all um, still keep in mind. It's not something that happened a long time ago and that has gone away. I feel like these conversations are still um, you know, uh, relevant in, in, in our, in our society. Um, can you talk about any kind of, or mention, um, just your experience with racism in the sport? I know playing junior hockey, playing professional hockey, and even coaching, um, there's, there's, there's been different, um, incidents and, and just speak to, speak to, uh, racism, racism in sport. 
<laughs> to, to, to me, it, it, it hit all the, all the above. Uh, it, it hit when I, when I played. Um, you know, when you get uh, name called, all, all kinds of names, it, it doesn't make you feel good. And you're the only guy on the team and uh, some of your teammates even, even call you the name. Uh, oppositions call you the name. Uh, even when I, when I coached, uh, um, both professionally and in, in junior hockey, uh, one, uh, one game in 2007, I, I finally made a comeback in the, I, which I didn't think would ever happen again. Uh, when I got let go by the Buffalo Sabres, I thought my hockey career was over and, um, and that's when we will get into this later. That's why I started the Technola foundation. Uh, but anyways, hockey came back and, and it was 2007 and I had to get ex- escorted out of the a rink in uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey because the fans were doing the tomahawk chop and uh, yelling uh, derogatory names. And, and this was in 2007. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a grown man and I, I, I coached in the National Hockey League and, and still this, this type of uh, behavior is still going on. So um, uh, it, it's, still, it's still there, but... Uh, Hopefully, uh, with the NHL, by doing what they're doing now, will bring more awareness to it and let people know that uh, it's not okay to call so many names anymore. It's uh, maybe a long time ago, but, but to, to see it as a player and to see it as a coach and one of your own, uh, one of the kids you're coaching is, is the yelling derogatory names towards you as a, as a coach. Uh, you've never, ever seen that before. Um, and other coaches doing the old woo 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 to uh, when you're on the opposition bench, so it didn't make you feel very good. But uh, I guess uh, uh, there's a time and place for for corrections and improvements to to life in general, and, and this is one of the biggest things that we have to do in our game to to make it fun for everybody. And everybody doesn't play the game to play in the National Hockey League. Uh, I was one of them. Mm. My goal wasn't the uh, to play in the National Hockey League because I, I didn't even know what the National Hockey League was. We, we didn't have a TV to watch it. So we just, uh, I watched my brothers play and I thought it was a cool game. And then as you grow and as you go in the game, everybody starts talking about major junior hockey. And I didn't know what junior hockey was. I didn't know what conditioning was. I didn't know what off-ice training was. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting down next to Wayne Gretzky at the uh, Sioux Greyhound camp. And I see this little skinny blonde haired guy from Southern Ontario. Everybody's talking about, well, why is they talking about him so much? And all of a sudden you see him play, you, you wonder why. And then the, the answer is, is, is answered. So, so you just learn from, from watching, observing and, but not from, from being taught. Uh, I was more of a, of a self-taught guy. I, 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 I made my own track and, and my own conditioning program on the reserve. I ran mountains. I chopped down trees. I, I ran the railroad tracks. I walked on a rail beam for, for balance and, and, and things like that. So that's how, how I train. But uh, to, to give our kids the ability to, to learn and to adapt and to adjust would be wonderful. Hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting. So, and just, I, I guess I didn't realize you, did you play with Gretzky when he was in, in Sault Ste. Marie? Was that the same time period? That, that was the same kind of, uh, period. I, I went to, uh, like I said, I went to Kenora in Manitoba junior league, uh, as a 17 year old. And I came back, uh, made the team as an 18 year old. And that was the year that Wayne Gretzky and he, he was dropped. I, I didn't even know about the draft and, uh, and it sounds like I'm making up stories that I, I didn't know the Ontario Hockey League had a draft to draft players. And Gretzky was number one or number two, obviously, or three, I think. Uh, uh, two teams didn't draft him because they, they only knew he was going to play there for one year. But uh, Greyhounds drafted him. And then uh, 
two years later, I, I got drafted in the National Hockey League, which I didn't know that that occurred either. But to have the opportunity to play with Wayne and, and to watch him, and you know, people ask me all all the time, you know, what what made him so good when when he was that young. I, and he was one of the first guys on the ice and one of the last guys on. He practiced little little things and. And with my keen eye, that's how I learned how to be a better player. Because I, I watched players like him. I watched the way he had his head up. I watched the way he turned real quick. Uh, and, and you just watch and, and you learn. But uh, to be able to play with him, you know, even uh, you know, a couple of years later, getting drafted to Detroit and playing with Stevie Eiserman, another another pretty good player. Uh, then getting traded to uh, Pittsburgh and playing with Mary Lemieux. So mm-hmm. you have pretty pretty good players to, to watch and, and to learn from and, and pick up little things and uh, those are sort of certainly some of the some of the guys I, I learned from. Yeah, some pretty good players and yeah and and not to take anything away from from yourself that that you're playing right alongside of them and you know they're I, I read your your career was cut short uh, by a back injury um, at the age of 26, which is still. I mean, relatively young and, and um, you know, in, especially back then when, when careers were maybe a little longer. But leading up to that, what, what do you feel uh, allowed you to have success up until that point? What were, what were the attributes that you felt created success for you? I, I, I've been doing a lot of um, uh, speaking in our communities ever since that first game I played in the National Hockey League. I try to go hit as many uh, First Nation communities as I can and try to get a message out. And the biggest message I, I wanted to give out to answer your question uh, was exactly, exactly this. Because if this little skinny kid from Garden River First Nation can play in the National Hockey League, I mean, anybody could do anything. And, but you can't do it without work. You have to work. I mean, it's, it's, there's no substitute for the word. Uh, you don't have to be rich to, to do it. Uh, you don't have to be uh, in the in the best neighborhoods or in the best facilities in the world. Uh, the one thing that you need is is the, the ability to, to work, and that was always my number one uh, one attribute. That I if someone's going to beat me, they're going to beat me because they're they're a little bit better and maybe more skilled, but they're never going to outwork me. And that was my uh, my uh, ticket to, to 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 play, and it was my my ticket even when when I coached. The one thing I, I knew, we didn't have the best players all the time, but uh, that doesn't matter. As long as the players worked and, and competed and, and give everything you have to give, I don't believe you, you lose a game in the world. I, I don't believe you lose if you, if, you, if you work and you compete and you give everything you got. You know, the other team's going to have more goals than you once in a while, but that doesn't mean they, they beat you. It just uh, it wasn't meant to be. So, so answer your question in a long-winded way, uh, number one, attribute I, I have is, is to the ability to, to work. And to, to work for yourself and, and, and also to enroll your team for them to work because, you know, you want, you won the coach of the year in the OHL, you won the coach of the year in the NHL. Um, You know, how, what about as a coach, you're coaching your teams, um, what are some of the things that, that you would think of to, to get that buy-in from the team to, to have your team work? What, what, what were some of your philosophies around that as a coach? You know, one of the things I, uh, I, I, I self-taught how to coach. Uh, I, I, I coached by accident. I went back home after I retired from the game. 
I went to Lake Superior State University to hopefully I was going to try to get a business degree or some 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 kind of degree. Uh, and during the school year, <clears throat> the, uh, the Lake Superior State head coach Frank Enzalone seen me walking down the aisle one day, and he asked, you know, if he knew I was, I was a pro, and he asked if I would come out to help to help with the team, uh, which I did. And uh, Phyllis Bazito, who owned the Sioux Greyhounds where I played, uh, found out I was helping them and asked if I'd be interested. And then it was long, long story short, about a month later, they fired the head coach and I became the head coach. And I didn't, uh, I told them no at the beginning because I, I didn't know how to coach. I didn't really want to be a coach. And then uh, when I took over, uh, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with more with coaching than playing because mm. coaching is, uh, uh, to answer your question, is one of the things I, I always wish the player, a coach would ask me, said, Ted, how are you feeling? How are you doing today? No one's ever asked me how I'm doing. How are you feeling? Anything wrong? Or you know, how's the family? Uh, no one's ever asked me that. And I think it's it's so important to to know who the players are in your team and see if there's any issues. Uh, you know, someone could have a death in their family and it's affecting their their play. And as a as a coach, I, I think it's your responsibility to find that out about a player. Uh, so you so when a player makes a mistake or he's not on top of his game, you don't bench him. You pit him on the bench for the rest of the game. You know he's uh, something's going on in your life. So you try to have that open uh, open communication. I always did anyways. That, that's the way I coached. And try to get to know the players. So the better you get to know the players, the better you understand who they are and, and what makes them tick and what makes uh, Pat LaFontaine uh, play versus Matthew Barnaby play. I mean, there's two totally different personalities, two totally different upbringings. And, uh, and it's, I think it's your job and your responsibility to, to find out exactly. And, and find out, you know, we were talking off air, find out uh, what their interests are. Everybody's afraid to talk about interests in the game because they, they think you're uninterested about what you're doing now. And mm-hmm. everybody knows hockey's going to end at some point. But they'll say, hey, Brad, what, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do after you're done playing? And, you know, no one's ever asked me that. And because they're so consumed on, on the game of hockey itself that they forget about life in general. And, and I'm, and I'm uh, I guess, more of a realist um, that I, I knew the game wasn't going to last forever. And I knew maybe it could be 10 games. It could be uh, 10, uh, uh, 10 years. Who knew? But I knew I had to do something when I was done. And if I didn't prepare myself for it, uh, I'd be uh, spinning my wheels for a couple of years, and and you know some people uh, some people make that wrong turn in life, and it's not because they wanted to, just life throws them a curveball once in a while, and and so when I uh, when I coached any any team I, I I had, I try to get to know the players as well as I could, and uh, you know they're all not going to play NHL forever, and you know that some might not ever, but then you talk to them about, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this one story. One of the one of the players I drafted in junior, uh, his, uh, his father came up to me we, on draft day. He said, Ted, if you could do me one thing, just make sure Tommy gets his grade 12, okay? Make sure he graduated out of high school. And anyways, we, uh, I said, I'll guarantee you that because I had a rule in, in junior hockey. If you miss school uh, on purpose, uh, you're going to miss a game because I, mm. I just believe education is so important. So um, anyways, we, uh, we got him to graduate and... Uh, a number of years later, I get uh, I get a call and um, I invited to his wedding, and he's a chartered accountant, and uh, and that was one of the one of the best things to, to 
to see and not not like a disgruntled player that I, I played and I don't have nothing to do but this uh, this young man uh, really worked on his uh, on, on his education and, and he's uh, he's married and uh, got a good job and and uh, so that's to me what what hockey does for you off the ice is way more important than what it does on the ice. I think there's so many good messages there, you know, and, and starting with just the relationship with your players and, you know, the, the lifelong relationship with your players and, and the idea that there is a lot more to life than hockey. Hockey's hockey's a beautiful game. And, and like you said, you can't, you can't play forever. And I, I like the, the message of, of finding other interests and finding other passions. I have a 17 year old right now, who's in grade 12. Uh, he's playing at a hockey academy and, you know, loves the game, loves the sport, wants to play as long as he can play and at the highest levels he can get to. And yeah, those are the, the messages as, as dad, you know, you know, I want him to explore other things. And, you know, that was part of my journey in, in my life after hockey of, of figuring out what do I even like to do now? Like who, who, who am I? And, and I think there's a little bit of stigma around the game. And, 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 and I, I, I love that you're saying this as a, as a former uh, NHL coach. I think there's a little bit of a stigma of, of as a player, like I don't want my coach or my team to, to think I'm not 100% engaged. I'm not, you know, 100% focused on my, on my work. Like I'm, 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 I'm almost, you know, I don't want them to think I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not all in. So, you know, even, even to hear you say that and, you know, to, to, to send the message that, yeah, that, that you're open to, to have, have people be, be open to other interests. And, and I believe you can be focused on your hockey and have on other interests. I, th I feel like it's an and not an or, and, and to kind of, um, sum it all up and, and even, and, you know, w even with the success conversation, you have two sons of your own that have, have been very successful in the game and, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, being a coach on, on a, a player, first of all, and then a coach, what do you, what are the, what are the things that you've kind of talked with your boys about, um, you know, about uh, creating success? Do you feel like they've, kind of it comes from within they've kind of done it on their own what are some of those conversations um coaching as, as from a dad's perspective and and, and talking to your, your boys about creating success um in hockey and in life yeah you know that was one of the things i always thought about when i was uh, you see a, a doctor and sometimes their children become doctors or you, you meet a lawyer and sometimes their children become lawyers and so forth. And, and I always wondered why that would happen. But then when I had my two sons, they were around hockey all the time. I mean, mm. we went to practice, I brought them to the game. So obviously they're going to, they're going to, they're going to like what their, what their father does. And uh, so, but I, I treated um, my kids like my father, I, I lost my father when I was only uh, 15 years of age. Uh, my father had passed and, and, um, and I found out after uh, he told somebody, he told one of my brothers, he thought I could play in the National Hockey League a long time ago. But he never, ever told me that. 
And he never mm-hmm. said, Ted, you got to work harder and you got to work on this. You got to do this. He never, he just came to the game. And, and after the game, he said, have fun. Uh, uh, that was a nice play or whatever it was. It wasn't, you got to do this, you got to do that. And so I, I did the same thing with my boys. I just asked them uh, if they're going to do something, you know, put some effort into it and work hard. And, and uh, uh, if you're going to join it, you're going to join it for the whole year. You're not going to quit halfway through. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately for us, they love to play. And, and I love coaching them. Uh, we, we coach them at uh, uh, both when they're Bantam, Bantam going into their draft year. I, I formed a couple teams and, and we uh, made some practices because I, I watched their practices. And, and no disrespect to, uh, to minor hockey coaches, but I think the, the kids don't touch the puck enough. They don't pass enough. They don't learn how to protect the puck enough. So uh, all the stuff that I, I, I felt uh, a player needed was the stuff we, we did uh, during practice. We had tons of pucks. We had tons of pucks. We went one-on-ones all the time, two-on-twos and battling and reading the play and jumping and being competitive and getting on the ice as hard as you're coming off the ice. So all those little things uh, we worked on all the time. But uh, when the game was done, it was done. And we talked about uh, uh, other things in life, and uh, we talked about what else they, they, their interests were and uh, what they want to do when they grew up and, and what have you. So it was it was a lot of fun. Hmm. I, I wanted to uh, uh, ask you about your time in in Latvia and and how first of all, kind of how that came about, and and even the 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 impact that you would have had on that team just you know in the introduction i'm, I'm i was talking about the the soshi games and and how you guys were in the the quarterfinals against team canada in in a close two to one nail biter um game and and you know the best result that latvia has ever 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 had so you know if you could speak to how how that came about and and what that experience was like you know a, again another example of 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 uh, creating success around a team and having success as a coach. You know, I, I learned a long, long time ago, and uh, you have to learn to win with what you got. You, you can't hope for things. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, I hoped uh, I hoped we had a, a furnace we could turn on a little bit. What we didn't. We had a wood stove. We had to we had to heat that thing. And sometimes it got cold. And but we uh, we learned to live with what we had. And when I started coaching. Um, People would say, "Hey, your team's not very. It doesn't look very good." I'm going, it's good to me. I mean, uh, as long as everybody did what they're they're asked to do, I think we're, we'll be pretty good. And we uh, and every team we I, I coached, uh, you try to make each and every individual the best that they can possibly be, and not not creating something that they're unable to do. I didn't expect uh, a certain defenseman to to rush the puck all the time. He was unable to. I didn't uh, ask somebody to score me a goal when he was unable to, uh, but could he check? And building a team and assembling talent is two different things. Uh, so I always concentrate on on building uh, building a, a team with with character type of guys who are are uh, willing to to do certain things that somebody else wouldn't do. And so when I got a chance to um, coach Latvia, and it happened by a um, a friend of mine now, but he wasn't. He was just a, more of an acquaintance. He gave me a call one night, and I was sitting back home in the reserve, and I was sitting there, and phone rings, and uh, Tommy Cullen's his name. And Tommy says, hey, Ted, you want to coach in Latvia? And I said, uh, where? 
said Latvia. I said, what, what team is that? I said, he said, it's not a team, it's a country. I said, uh, what, what, what league do they play? And I said, oh, not a league, it's a national team. I said, where do they play? And I said, do they play against Team Canada and all those teams? I said, they're the ones who get beat 15 nothing and one nothing or 16 nothing. I said, yeah, those guys. So I said, uh, I said, sure. So anyways, I just said, sure. Uh, didn't think anything of it. And all of a sudden, uh, he calls me back about uh, <clears throat> a week later. He said, you got the job. So we went to uh, Latvia. And it was probably <clears throat> one of the best jobs uh, experience I ever had in my entire life. I mm. went to Latvia. They only had something like 10 rinks in their whole, uh, whole country. Um, uh, Population-wise, it's not very big. Uh, uh, the, the 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 selection committee was we all knew everybody so you bring them in and but I, I tell you it was one of the one of the greatest experiences I had and and um, and we uh, we competed but I I didn't realize <clears throat> at the time we had to win a qualifier in order to go to the Olympics mm. so we had to go through all these series of uh, of weekend games and weekend tournaments and get to a certain amount of points and and all of a sudden. Uh, you get to the qualifying tournament against two out of the three other teams, and we're very fortunate to, to win that uh, tournament, which qualified us for the Olympics. And uh, going there and uh, uh, you know playing Team Canada, I mean uh, Team Canada is best best in the world. And and our, our approach has always been my, my approach: anybody can beat anybody on one given night. You, you never know. You just yes. never know. And and we had a group of guys that. Uh, when I, when I talked to you about earlier about what's your message, my message is work. Definitely. You, you got to work, but also you got to, you can't just work. You got to, you got to have knowledge. You have to know what, uh, uh, what you're capable of, what the other opposition opposition is, uh, is capable of. Uh, you got to learn, uh, you got to persevere. You got to fight through some certain uh, adversities in life. And number four, you, you got to believe and you have those type of things going for you. You never know. So, uh, it was it was one one with Team Canada going into third period and they got a power play goal, uh, which was a, I, I thought a very very questionable uh, penalty and they they took us to a penalty box. But the coolest uh, coolest thing about the whole experience, we had three guys on the team that didn't play in the league. They played senior hockey equivalent to over here in Canada. They played senior hockey. Uh, three uh, two guys on the team they're um, they're gypsies. And that was the first time I ever met a gypsy in, in my entire life. And, um, and they weren't even, uh, I guess, allowed to come to training camps. And so uh, I, I fell in love with their, their spirit, the, the way they worked. And one guy who reminded me of, of Rudy, he just worked. Whether it was a game practice, he 100% all the time. He just, he just worked and, and he would make everybody else better. And so anyway, we, we, brought him to the, we brought him to the World Championships. We brought him to the Olympics. And uh, anyways, right before the game started, I said, uh, Kuba, Kuba Yas was his name. I said, Kuba, you know what you should do during warm-up? Skate by uh, Crosby and say, hey, can I have your stick after the game? <laughs> and one of those old-time shows. Sure enough, he, he did it. Uh, and sure enough, after the game, there's a knock on the door, and uh, Crosby came by and, and uh, gave him his stick, which I thought one was a... One of the classiest things I, I've seen in, in a long time. So it was a it was a great experience. Uh, the guys uh, worked hard, and in the country of Latvia is a very rich hockey town uh, or hockey country. 
uh, Sanis Ozelinch, uh, uh, he played for us. If he didn't play for us, we would never have won the qualifying tournament in order to get to the qualifying, to order to get to the Olympics. Arthur Zerbe uh, became our goaltending coach, uh, yeah. and it was a, it was a it was a great uh, great experience and one I'll never forget. I'm sure the players will never forget that as well. I'm sure you had a, a tremendous impact on a lot of them. Just what you're talking about, the communication, the preparation. Um, and, and the hard work, definitely. I I read a quote online uh, that's uh, one of your quotes online is hockey is what I do. It's not who I am. And I, I thought that was such a great uh, quote. And um, I'd like to know just what that means to you. And, and for me, it kind of speaks to, you know, there, there's, there's bigger things around life and, and, you know, we're talking about success. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to, to know what success looks like for you in your life now. Oh, success. I mean, to me is family. Hmm. Uh, the way you raise your, your children, uh, as, as a man, the way you, you, you father, um, success is, uh, is, is really family. I, I was, I was very lucky. Uh, I was very blessed to, to come from a family of 12. And, uh, and I lost both my parents at a very young age. Uh, I lost my father when I was 15. Uh, he had a heart attack and I lost my mother through a drunk driving accident when I was only 20, 21 years of age. And my brother, my older brothers, and uh, unfortunately we lost a number. There's only five of us, four of us left, five of us left. Um, and they be kind of became uh, my my mom and dad also instead of just being my my sisters and my brothers. Uh, so it was really uh, so when I when I play hockey and and you have a bad game. I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there that are struggling to to make ends meet. And some kids are waking up in the morning that don't have too much to to eat. And I was one of those kids. And um, so when 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 you don't score a goal and you don't win a game. It's not the end of the world. It's not, uh, and the world doesn't evolve around the, the game of hockey. So I really try to keep it in perspective what the, what the game is. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I love the game, but the, the game is not life. I mean, there, there's a lot of situations out there that, that really, uh, but for a couple of hours during a Saturday night, people forget about their problems and watch Hockey Night in Canada or watch your son play or daughter play or, or a friend. or And I think you, you put the game where it should be, uh, play it, enjoy it, and then, uh, and then just try to be a good human being. I love that. How, how you father, how you, and you mentioned family um, and leading, leading family. And, and it's also, you know, leading community. And I think that's what you guys are doing, uh, with, with the three Nolans project. Can you tell us about that and, and what's going on, um, with that project these days? Well, you, you know, it was kind of a, 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 kind of a twofold. Um, when I, when I played hockey, uh, when I played professional hockey, I went to a small first nation community up in James Bay. It was called Wiminji. It's an isolated community you fly in. And anyways, I went there. I, I, I was part of a national native role model program at the time. They grabbed uh, six or seven of us. There was a pilot. There was a orchestra con a symphony orchestra conductor. There was an Olympian, uh, a couple of actresses, a doctor. And anyways, they, they put us on this 
National Native Role Model Program, and they asked us to go to First Nation communities to uh, give inspirational messages about working and about education, about substance abuse and, and health and, and so forth. And, and I was at one of the communities and there was a hockey school going on and one of the elders said, oh man, it, it costs so much money. And he said, I said, how much money? He said, 50, I don't know if he's uh, made up a number, but he said $50,000 and this was in the early 90s. And I said, you give me $50,000, I'll, I'll run a hockey school for you for 10 years. So anyways, long story short, the, the gentleman gives me a call next year. He said, hey, Ted, uh, we, we signed you up. You're, you're going to be a hockey school. So anyways, uh, I didn't have a hockey school. I didn't know what I was going to do. Anyway, I grabbed a group of guys. And we, we did it. We called, the, called it um, uh, uh, Ted Nolan First Nation Hockey School. And we did it for what uh, my youngest son, Brandon, came. Jordan wasn't born or quite that old enough yet. We did that for what... Uh, uh, five or six years, and then pro hockey started and coaching, and I didn't have time. And then Brandon, uh, he stay, he stay, uh, rebooted the three Nolan hockey hockey school, Ted Nolan hockey school. We now we called it now that because there's three of us, uh, we do the same thing. We go into a lot of First Nation communities. Uh, we try to get, hit some of the remote communities that mm. uh, the kids will haven't got access to, and we try to bring in you know some. Uh, some extra equipment if we if we are able to to achieve and, and get it. Uh, we have some. Uh, Tim Hortons is a big sponsor of ours, um, so we try to bring in and we just talk to the kids about uh, goal setting, about not not so about playing in a national hockey league. We have at some of our camps we have uh, ringette players come uh, with their ringette sticks and they got the ring and, and we got uh, hockey school. We have some uh, kids that are um, um, handicapped. Um, that have a, and you know they don't move around the ice as, as well as uh, uh, able-bodied pe people can, and but we incorporate them, and it's such a cool atmosphere. I mean, and then you wait really slow, and the guy goes down the ice, or person goes down the ice, and and they, they score a goal. Everybody cheers for them. They get back in line, then we do the hockey school. Then the girls with the or the people with the ringette sticks, they go through the through the ringette. So it's kind of a mismatch of of everybody. But I think that's how everybody grows up because it's a community and we wanted to have that community spirit. And then we have a round table discussion at the end. Uh, people ask us about some of the obstacles that we faced uh, growing up and, and how to overcome them and, and be proud of who you are as, as, a, as a Anishinaabe, as a First Nation uh, nation person. And, and um, so we just talked, uh, try to give them little hints and ideas. And, and, but the most, most important thing is just instilling on them to be proud of who they are. Hmm. I love that piece. It's uh, and 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 on the website it says being positive role models and leaders within their communities and and you and and your boys are definitely um, doing that. In my opinion, uh, the three Nolans.com for anyone that wants to go check that out, and for anybody that's watching this video, they can see that you have. Uh, three Nolan's hat, that pretty cool swag that you guys have going as well. Um, I, I really, I really appreciate um, this conversation and 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 yourself from a lot of different perspectives, from from the coaching aspect, from the growing up and grit and resiliency, um, and, and just being a, a positive role model for for your boys and for your communities. Um, before before I let you go, um, any final kind of thought? Um, for those 
that might be listening um, in some indigenous community that may be having a rough go and, and may feel like there really isn't a lot of, of things to look forward to. Um, any kind of final thoughts for, for them? My, my, my biggest thing is, is you got to believe. I mean, if, if you stop the belief factor, I mean, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how much knowledge you have or, or how much perseverance you have, it, it, uh, it all goes away because you don't really believe. And, and growing up and, and uh, from where I grew up from and, and where, I, where I went through in my life, and there are some times, there was very, very difficult times in my life that, um, um, you know, I, I cried myself to sleep a number of kids from, I think, age 15 to my whole 16 year. Uh, I cried myself to sleep and, and not liking the game as, as much as I, I, I originally thought. Uh, losing, uh, losing my, my dad at that uh, young age, it was, it was devastating. It was really, really hard. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years later, you, you lose your mom through a, a, um, a car accident. I mean, those, those type of things are, um, can, can knock anybody on, on the rear end. Uh, but you just almost have to have a belief that, um, you know, I, I would think they're looking down and saying, you know, they don't want you to uh, cry and, and, and have pity on yourself. I, I think they would say they want you to live a good life. And, and that's what I want. If when I'm gone, I'd want my 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 two sons, my grandchildren, to 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 have a good life and don't cry and and, and miss miss me if they do or not. But if they if they do uh, or when they do, um, to 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 be proud of who they are and be strive and, and nothing comes nothing comes good out of uh, alcohol and, and and drugs and and things like that. It just it leads down a long road. Um, but um, try to be as, as positive as you can, even through difficult times. And and if I didn't have that, but you have to have people around you. And I was very, very lucky when, when I said, you know, my, my brothers, my sister, but I met my wife when I was only, she was only 16 years old. Uh, and she's, uh, her descent is from the St. Mary's First Nation community in, uh, in uh, Maritimes in uh, New Brunswick. And she's Mi'kmaq. And uh, so she was with me ever since I was 16 years of age. And, and uh, those times when I got drafted and I didn't want to go to camp, and sometimes I wanted to leave camp, um, sometimes I didn't want to go back. But uh, thank God she was there to, to help guide and, and, and to enforce me that what we're doing is, is a good thing. Because if, if it wasn't for her and it wasn't for other people in my life, uh, I certainly wouldn't be here speaking with you. So all the people out there listening, you know, life's not uh, life's not perfect, and I don't think it's meant to be perfect. Um, but learn to over some overcome some of your obstacles, and and uh, don't celebrate your successes too too much. And just uh, enjoy enjoy each day. Hmm. Belief and positivity, and supporting each other, and enjoying each day. Great messages, and I want to thank you again for for doing this. I, I really appreciate um, your time. And uh, hopefully we could maybe catch up with with you and and the other two Nolans at some point down the road. And uh, yeah, wish you guys all the best with with your program. And and uh, thanks again. Hey, thanks very much. And uh, you'll enjoy talking to Brandon and uh, Jordan. They got some good personality <laughs> behind them, so they'll, I'm quite sure they'll, they'll they'll love to go on your show. Well, I, I I already told Brandon we're back and forth. We're we're I told him I wanted to have him on as a guest, so I'll I'll definitely follow up with that. There you go. Well, perfect. Well, thank you very much, and uh, to all the listeners, have a great day.
Perfect. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed that conversation. And I realize I could have asked him more about playing junior hockey with Wayne Gretzky or getting drafted by the Red Wings and playing with Stevie Iserman or getting traded and playing with Mario Lemieux. I could have asked him about his first couple seasons in Buffalo and receiving the NHL Coach of the Year award after only two seasons as a head coach. Uh, and I could have asked him more about how he worked with Team Latvia to almost upset Team Canada at the 2014 Winter Olympics. And we didn't even touch on his return to the NHL as a coach with the Islanders and the Sabres. And I guess my focus was really more on what his thoughts were around success. Because I feel that people that have success in one area of life can and usually do create successes in other areas of life as well. And Ted Nolan is really proof of that. And even more so because he came from very humble beginnings. You know, when I asked him about why he thought he had success, he simply mentioned hard work. And when I asked him about his boys having success, he mentioned effort and he mentioned commitment. And the four things he mentioned for success, having success as a team, he mentioned work, he mentioned knowledge, perseverance, and belief. And the Three Nolans program is a program that works with First Nations youth and teaches them the importance of being positive role models and leaders within, within their communities. And I feel that's exactly what Ted Nolan has been doing his entire life. Just being a positive role model and a leader within his community and within his family. And he said even now in his, in his life after hockey, success to him is how you are with your family and how you raise your kids and how you father. A lot of great and simple and yet effective advice uh, from, from what I feel is a true elder, true leader, role model, uh, and someone that has really been following his own advice of simply staying positive in difficult times and simply believing. I want to thank today's guest, Mr. Ted Nolan. It was a pleasure. I want to thank the Hockey Podcast Network. And I also want to thank you, the listener. I appreciate you tuning in. And if you have enjoyed this podcast or have received any value, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening as it helps others to find this podcast. And if you have any other thoughts, feedback, requests, please connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at Brad M. Lieb. And I appreciate you. Thanks again. And until next time, keep going and enjoy your life. See you next time. I think that went very well. <laughs>